Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I'm Jim Freund, your host. In this episode, we will hear Memoranda from the End of the World by Jean Doucette, narrated by Stefan Rupnicki. This work is copyright 2021. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. Jean Doucette is the author of over 20 sci-fi and fantasy titles, including The Spaceship Next Door and The Frequency of Aliens, The Immortal Series, The Tandem Starbooks, and The Apocalypse 7. Jean lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So let's buckle up. We're going to light speed. Memoranda from the End of the World by Jean Doucette for internal use only. Re, your company-issued breathing apparatus. Attached, please find your personal company-issued breathing apparatus for immediate use within all corporate campus unfiltered air locations. This includes all outdoor locations, such as parking lots, the parking garage, the smoker's hut, the paths between the buildings, the shuttle bus waiting area, the tennis court, and the corporate golf course. It also includes a limited number of indoor locations, such as the shuttle bus, any area listed as under construction, and the employee bathroom on level 2 in the north wing of Building H. Note, if you are reading this memorandum at any of the above-listed unventilated locations, please skip to the section entitled How to Wear Your Personal Breathing Apparatus Immediately and follow the prescribed steps. As detailed in the prior memoranda, on the unfortunately high particulate matter count in our cooling tower ejecta and why you may be coughing more this week, per policy, all employees must wear their personal breathing apparatuses when at risk of inhaling unfiltered air while on the corporate campus. For more information, please consult the updated Policy on Breathing in the online corporate handbook. FAQ Q. How long will this policy be in effect? A. Hopefully not for long. Air quality tests are being conducted constantly by our on-campus team of researchers and the legal department. We will provide a timeline shortly. Q. In addition to experiencing shortness of breath, I have also experienced some of the following. Redness and itching of the eyes, excessive saliva, skin irritation, panic attacks, and dissociative episodes. Are these symptoms related to the air quality concerns expressed by the corporation? A. These symptoms cannot be positively linked to the corporation's unfiltered air quality issue at this time. Q. Should I be concerned for my family? A. If your immediate family resides more than 10 miles from the corporate campus, then no. 
Otherwise, please contact your supervisor about signing the litigation waiver and obtaining additional breathing apparatuses for your immediate family members. Q. I've heard rumors that the high particulate matter count in the coolant tower ejecta is related to work on Project Extra Solar. What can you tell us? A. As always, everything relating to Project Extra Solar is classified as top secret. Please refer to the policy on denying the existence of Project Extra Solar in the online corporate handbook for more information. For internal use only. Re. The importance of not breathing unfiltered air at this time. It has come to the attention of corporate safety and security that the mandatory breathing apparatus guidelines are not being strictly adhered to by all employees. As previously outlined, see your company-issued breathing apparatus, the wearing of your personal breathing apparatus is required whenever inhaling non-filtered air while on the corporate campus. Many have noted that in the course of issuing breathing apparatuses to all employees, we have neglected to explain why it was important to not breathe unfiltered air while on the corporate campus. There are a number of litigation-adjacent reasons we did not do this and why we still cannot. However, we can discuss a number of the quite dangerous theories that have recently come to our attention. Theory number one. This is actually a psychological test, and there's nothing wrong with the air. This is false. There very much is something wrong with the air. Please also note that our PsyOps department was defunded two years ago. Theory 2. The air is toxic, and if you've already breathed it, you're going to die anyway, so why bother? This is false. Corporate would not issue breathing apparatuses if we knew the air was toxic and it was already too late for everyone. The truth is, we're still running tests. Theory 3. The air grants people special abilities and corporate is trying to keep it all for themselves. This is false. This theory and the similar freedom air theory are the most popular and the least plausible of the theories we have encountered. We cannot at this time confirm the nature of the pollutant in the corporate campus's unfiltered air, but as is true for any industrial accident, the air does not grant special abilities. Note, we can neither confirm nor deny that there was an industrial accident. It has also been reported that some of the employees who have inhaled unfiltered air on our corporate campus, whether by accident or intentionally, claim to have experienced a kind of euphoria. Like the above theories, this is false. Euphoria is not a recognized symptom. Again, euphoria is not a recognized symptom. Any employees caught chasing the euphoria by breathing the freedom air and or encouraging others to do so will be referred to HR immediately and may face termination. For internal use only, re-media inquiries. In the wake of recent events, the corporation felt it important to address what is becoming an increasingly common problem for our employees, dealing with the media. It's important to remember that all media inquiries should be directed to our public relations department and or the legal department. 
When a member of the media asks you a question about the corporation, you must refer them. Contact information for both is attached to this memo. We also strongly urge all employees when faced with media inquiries to ask themselves, are you the person within the corporation best qualified to speak for the corporation? Almost without exception, the answer is no. This is irrespective of the question, the questioner, or the circumstance by which the questioner and the questioned happen to encounter one another. However, we also recognize that under extreme duress, employees may not have the presence of mind to ruminate on the appropriateness of an in-progress media interaction. Likewise, not all media members readily identify themselves, and some circumstances do not permit time for an employee to ask if their interrogator is speaking on behalf of a media conglomerate. This is why we at Corporate Headquarters are advising that all employees learn to apply the following phrase, I don't know, to all external inquiries regarding the company. This phrase has been approved by the legal department for use in all circumstances in which an employee is asked a question relating to the company by a non-employee, and it is to be used at all times regardless of the question. Here are a few real-life examples of how saying, I don't know, can help both you, the employee, and the corporation as a whole continue to succeed. Example number one. Five quarantined employees escape containment and exit the campus in a heightened state of euphoric dementia. After sacking the local police station, their leader, Nigel, declares himself king. The five escapees are eventually contained, but only after killing seven people and biting another 22. A member of the media reaches out to known employees of the corporation. You, an associate of Nigel, are asked to comment. Option one. It was only a matter of time. We're all going to expletive die. Do you own a gun? Get a expletive gun. Crying. Those poor bastards. Look, go underground and maybe you can hold them off for a while. It's worth a try, right? Right? More crying. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Option two. The corporation strongly denies any connection with these individuals, cannot explain why they have employee badges, and only learned about the unfortunate attack on the police station just now when you asked about it. Option three. I don't know. As we can see, the real-world response shown in option one is inappropriate. Option two is ideal, but difficult to reproduce without legal assistance. Option three is therefore preferred. Example two. An old college friend asks if there's any connection between the company's drastic increase in security fencing, the breakdown of local government, and the spread of euphoric fever. Unbeknownst to you, this old college friend now works for an international media organization. Option one. This is what happens when you try to play God with alien microbes. Jesus Christ, this expletive company, man. Hey, I gotta run. They're having a problem with the flamethrower again. Option two. True or not, I must assume that you, old college friend, are currently employed by an international media organization. 
the corporation's updated fencing was purely aesthetic. We have no comment about local government, and we've never heard of euphoric fever. Option three. I don't know. As before, option three is preferred. Option two is better, but challenging for most employees. And option one, the real-world response, unfortunately, is highly damaging to the reputation of the corporation and should be avoided. Example three. While off-duty and after being relocated to a secure facility during the course of waiting in line for rations, you overhear an army general discussing the use of napalm for an upcoming counter-strike. Concerned and with information regarding the viability of fire, you approach to discuss it with him. You do not notice that the general is currently on live television. Option 1. We tried fire. Nothing works. They're not human anymore. Garbled ranting, expletive, garbled ranting, incoherent shrieking. Option two. These corporations supplied rations are healthy and delicious. Option three. Do not approach the general. Do not discuss what you know with the military at all. Option four. I don't know. You are correct. This example is actually a trick. The best option is three. Options one, two, and four all feature interrupting a live television broadcast, which draws unwelcome attention regardless of what one says following the interruption. However, if you find yourself completely unable to avoid doing this, options two or four are far better than the real-world option one. We hope this advice and the provided examples prove useful to you, our valued employees, in navigating the challenging times we are currently experiencing. Also note, if you think you have said or are going to say something to a media representative, we ask that you reach out to your supervisor immediately for further guidance. From the Office of the Search for Non-Terrestrial Intelligence, SNOTI. Two, all snotty participating observatories. Re, possible non-terrestrial signal identified and PNTL warning. Dear participating members, we here at the main snotty office hope that this message reaches you and that you are well and not currently infected with the PNTL contagion, about which more below. Tragically, the latest information has it that our observatories in North America and Western Europe have, much like the rest of society in those regions, collapsed. So if you are reading this and located in one of those regions, it's likely you are not entirely yourself. If this is not the case, cheerio. We hope you have adequate food and water. Please let us know if we can help. We have two important pieces of information to share with our members at this time. First, current evidence indicates that our New South Wales Observatory, in conjunction with our Guizhou branch, have confirmed the receipt of a message from a non-terrestrial source. This may sound very much as if we've discovered the existence of water moments before drowning. However, despite the very real global threat the parasitic non-terrestrial lifeform contagion represents to us all, many of our snotty observatories have continued to work hard in the search for intelligent non-terrestrial life that is also not currently on the planet. To that end, we appear to have succeeded. 
We're attaching the coordinates for the signal source to this memorandum. Please note that the coordinates do not correspond to anything in particular. The signal is either being sent from a previously undiscovered planet or a local non-terrestrial object. If you are able, have power, and are of sound mind, please direct your array to the coordinates. Be aware that we have not been able to discern what the signal is saying at this time, if anything. However, it is repeating and non-random. In what was a gesture of wishful thinking, the stress has gotten to all of us, the NSW office did craft and send a response in the unlikely event the signal origin was somewhere nearby, astronomically speaking. We welcome you to do the same if it lightens the mood. Secondly, it has come to our attention that those inflicted with the PNTL contagion are uncommonly attracted to observatories. If you have not already done so, we strongly recommend you fortify your facility as well as is possible. Happy signal hunting. We promise to share any new findings as they happen for as long as we are able. Sincerely, your snotty administrators. For internal use only, re saying goodbye to our southwestern corporate campus. It is with a heavy heart that we must formally announce the closing of the corporation's main campus, effective immediately. This is not a decision lightly made. Despite the trying times of the past several months, we here at the corporate shelter have been attacking the problem daily in the hopes of coming up with a solution. Note, as mentioned in the previous memo, we are unable to disclose the location of the top-secret corporate shelter we are unable to disclose the location of the top-secret corporate shelter at this time. We continue to log your requests. However, recent satellite surveys of our southwestern campus have brought us to the same conclusion many of you no doubt already reached. The campus technically no longer exists in any meaningful physical sense. This was ultimately due to the military's firebombing campaign, although the riots were a proximate cause. We have also been notified that the upcoming nuclear strike is likely to render any insurance claims moot. And so we have decided it would be in the corporation's best interests to close the campus permanently, write off the loss, and move on. Unfortunately, this means we will also be initiating a mandatory attrition for all employees assigned to that facility who have not already self-furloughed by way of premature death or infection. Note, employees afflicted with euphoric fever are ineligible for severance. Please read corporate stance on non-human status of PNTL-infected persons in the online corporate handbook for details on this policy. If you believe your employment status has been impacted by this change, but have not yet been contacted by human resources, let your immediate supervisor know immediately so that we may begin the mandatory attrition process. We would like to apologize to all affected employees and thank you all for your years of service. None of us at the corporate shelter would be here without your hard work and many sacrifices. Welcome to your government-sponsored bunker. Hello, and welcome to the long-term subterranean housing bunker number seven, or as we like to call it, the bunker. 
Before we go over some very important rules about your new long-term housing, we would like to congratulate you on having made it this far and to thank you for being here. The total collapse of society is difficult on us all, but we are sure that in time you will adjust, just as we have, to the changed circumstances. Now, a brief questionnaire to bring everyone up to speed as quickly as possible. Don't worry, there are no wrong answers. Take your time and have fun. Entrance questionnaire. Q. What is your age, and are you medically capable of fathering slash bearing children? A. Q. What is your unique slash special skill slash knowledge base that was considered critical in rebuilding civilization? Are you the only one who can do it, or can it be taught in the event something should happen to you? A. Q. Do you have a fever? A. Q. Are you happy right now? As in, very happy? A. Q. Please list all the weapons you are proficient in the use of. Provide as much detail as possible. Example, instead of guns, say, Zig Zauer P320 or Winchester Model 94 Carbine 3030. A. Q. Have you ever killed a person, in self-defense or otherwise? A. Q. Are you sure you're not an unreasonable degree of happy right now? A. Q. Please list any skills not already mentioned above. Example, track driving, masonry, flamethrower maintenance. A. Turn in your completed form to the bunker sergeant. Note that this questionnaire is mandatory. Important rules about your new housing. It is critically important that all bunker residents be aware of each of these rules and to follow them exactly at all times. Rule number one. Do not go outside. If you are not an active member of the assault team or the fire squad, do not leave the bunker at any time for any reason. You will not be allowed back inside. Rule number two, no smoking. We appreciate that this is a challenge for many of you, but please keep in mind that the air filters are the only thing keeping the bunker safe from the contagion. Any unnecessary stress to the filters should be avoided. Also, there is no supply of tobacco products in the bunker. If you plan to step outside for a smoke, please see rule number one. Rule number three, report happy people. Parasitic non-terrestrial life form contagion, a.k.a. PNTL, a.k.a. Pantal, a.k.a. Pantaloon, a.k.a. euphoric fever, has the following easily identifiable symptoms. 1. Overwhelming euphoria. 2. A mild fever. 3. Delusions of grandeur. 4. A strong urge to bite people. These symptoms generally present in this order, which means that happiness is the first sign that something may be wrong. If you encounter someone in the bunker who appears to be happy in a way that makes no sense to you, trust your instincts. Report unnaturally happy people to the bunker sergeant so that they can be isolated and tested. Rule 4. Do not ask for more food. 
Your daily assigned rations have been apportioned precisely to provide enough calories for all of us to survive. Do not ask for additional helpings or for seasoning or condiments. What you have been provided is all there is. Keep in mind that our bunker nutritionists are calculating not only how much food each of us can have per day, but for how many days based on how much food we currently have. Additional helpings now may mean a total lack of food later. Thank you for your time. Please see your bunker sergeant for your sleeping assignment. We wish you luck as a new and productive member of The Bunker. This missive translated from untranslatable to English. When only the best untranslatable will do, choose untranslatable for all your galactic translations. Notice of impending fumigation. People of Earth, your planet has been designated for fumigation. Please see below for details. Why is this happening? The Galactic Corporation at Untranslatable has determined that Earth is currently in the midst of an outbreak of untranslatable flu. Uh, you may also know it as the untranslatable fever, untranslatable plague, or the crazy pants. As you are aware, this disease is caused by a highly infectious, sentient pathogen, commonly known as untranslatable, or George. As there is no known cure for untranslatable, the best recourse once an outbreak has occurred is to eradicate the infected populace. Is there a cure? There is no cure. Eradication seems drastic. Eradication is the only viable option to halt the spread. Those infected with untranslatable seek only to find others to infect. Once a planet has run out of host candidates, the afflicted will exhaust all options to leave the planet for other worlds. Any of those infected who are still capable will acquire spacecrafts, while the later stage infected will instinctively gravitate to higher ground for as long as higher ground exists. We at the Galactic Corporation's corporate headquarters at Untranslatable have a responsibility to our shareholder planetary systems to step in before a runaway outbreak of Untranslatable flu jumps planets. How will the planet be fumigated? Employing the latest and best technology, our expert team of fumigators will surround the planet with our patented neutron shield and irradiate the surface with high doses of gamma radiation. This process uses a third less gamma radiation than our competitors with twice the effectiveness in half the time. Ask for brochure. Your planet should be ready for repopulation in fewer than 20,000 galactic standard years, which is a lot better than the 35,000 the competition can promise. When will this begin? The fumigation has not yet been scheduled. Expect a second notice closer to the date. For special circumstances only, what do I do if my entire species is located on this planet? We at the Galactic Corporation at Untranslatable recognize that some less advanced species may be facing total extinction as a consequence of this outbreak, although this is rare. If you have reason to believe our fumigation program will result in the cessation of your life form as a whole, please take the following steps. 1. Collect. Gather all individuals you can prove credibly are uninfected. 
Two, evacuate. Leave the planet's surface immediately. Three, assemble and remain self-isolated. Find the nearest uninhabited orbital object, a moon or a nearby asteroid, land and wait. You are now self-quarantining. Important. Do not attempt to land on another inhabited planet. Now that the Galactic Corporation of Untranslatable has identified your world for fumigation, all craft originating from your home planet will be treated as hostile. 4. Notify. As soon as you have touched down, send word to your local Galactic Corporation corporate representative. Tell them what planet you are from and whether you require retrieval. Once the mandated quarantine period has elapsed, a representative will arrive to tend to your further needs. Thank you for trusting the Galactic Corporation at Untranslatable. To whom it may concern. If you are reading this and I haven't shot you yet, it means I'm dead. Assuming the cabin I've attached this note to is still upright, uh, you're welcome to what's inside. I'm sure you're thinking this is real neighborly of me, and you're right, except that's how I got the cabin and how the fellow before me got it, too. Basically, somebody way back at the beginning of the contagion, probably before the contagion, stocked this place with everything needed to survive the end of the world, and then the end of the world came, and he didn't plan near as well as he thought he had, seeing as how he's dead now. Anywho, it's a pretty sweet little place. Probably. I mean, I may be dead inside, or alive, but so happy I want to bite your face off. <laughs> if I'm dead, bury me or whatever, and I hope I didn't stink it up too much. If I try to bite you, I apologize for that, but you know how it is with these pantaloonies. Here's some things I worked out about your new home. First off, there's a bomb shelter under the cabin floor. I wouldn't have found it if the last guy hadn't tipped me off, so now I'm doing the same. You gotta roll up the rug. The handle is under the loose floorboard with a splintered end. Give it a good tug, and there you go. It's a decent shelter, uh, not that I have any to compare it to. Damn shame the end of the world didn't involve bombs, and not including when the government nuked New Mexico, which, I mean, didn't even work. It's cement-lined, uh, got its own generators... And that's where all the food is. Second, there's no goddamn can opener. I don't know what happened to it. Maybe the first guy had one of them special pocket knives with an opener on it or something. But I have gone through this entire house top to bottom, and it's just not here. The guy before me used a hunting knife to pop the cans, so I did that too. It's hard work, and I nearly lost a finger one time. But unless you've got an opener of your own, it's probably the best you're going to do. Third... There's plenty of ammo, but not a single note about what goes where. Hopefully you know from guns. But aside from the rifle I was planning to shoot you with, I never worked out much. I'll tell you one thing. Smaller gun does not equal smaller bullets. I'd have probably gotten further along, but I was afraid of using the guns too often. I didn't want to call attention to myself. Fourth, there's... Some kind of coordinated gang of pantaloonies roaming the countryside. Not sure why, because there's not a lot to see out here other than the observatory on the hill, which is locked, incidentally. I think there's people holed up in it, but I headed there before finding this cabin, and I can tell you that if they're alive, they aren't open to visitors. 
if you're going to spend a lot of time out of the shelter, I'd recommend figuring out the timing of that pack first. They're pretty regular. Fifth, you're not going to be able to spend all your time in the shelter as much as that seems like a good idea. I think the designer messed up with the filtration system. Either that or something died in it. So unless you've got an HVAC degree and can fix it yourself, I'd moderate my time down there if I was you. Then again, I didn't make it, so what do I know? Finally, and this isn't really related to the cabin, I've been seeing some pretty weird lights in the sky around here, like alien spaceship weird. They're probably here for the observatory, too. I wasn't brave enough to send a flare. The flare gun's in the shelter next to the peaches, on the chance that they're on some kind of rescue mission or whatever, but maybe you'll be braver than I was. Oh, and the wood stove works, but you'll probably need wood for it, depending on when I died. There's an axe near the door. Best of luck to you. This missive translated from untranslatable to English. When only the best untranslatable will do, choose untranslatable for all your galactic translations. Apologies for our error. People of Earth... We at the Galactic Corporation at Untranslatable would like to apologize for our recent notice of impending fumigation. Receipt of this message undoubtedly caused a panic. It was sent in error. Due to a clerical misclassification, your planet was categorized as advanced. This was based on a survey of your unpopulated orbital satellites, frequent concentrated radiographic bursts directed away from the planet, and trace evidence of habitation on your nearby moon. Now that we have received your numerous frantic and profane responses to our initial notification, it has come to our attention that you are not advanced and currently lack the technology to self-sustain off-planet for long periods. The correct classification for your species is intermediate. Had we known this, we would have sent no notification at all. We apologize for the confusion. Thank you for trusting the Galactic Corporation at Untranslatable. This missive translated from Untranslatable to English. When only the best Untranslatable will do, choose Untranslatable for all your galactic translations. We will, of course, help in any way we can. People of Earth, we apologize for the last two messages. Notice of impending fumigation and apologies for our error. Please allow us to explain. Galactic Corporation's corporate policy dictates that we only notify species categorized as advanced or higher of impending fumigation. Galactic Corporation's corporate policy also dictates that we make no contact with species categorized as less than advanced under any circumstances. Finally, it is... As previously stated, Galactic Corporation's corporate policy that under no circumstances are we to directly interact with a planet with an untranslatable flu outbreak. The previously outlined accommodations in the event our fumigation was to cause the total extinction of a sentient species has been our only alternative assistance plan. However, we now recognize that proceeding with the fumigation as planned and as policy dictates creates significant reputational liability for the Galactic Corporation at 
untranslatable. We have heard your complaints, and we are listening. Indeed, it appears every remaining uninfected person on Earth has a radio transmitter and a colorful vocabulary. There is a lot to listen to. Your spirited interest in remaining alive has captured the attention of our legal and public relations departments in particular, as well as the attention of the Office of Endangered Sentient Species on Untranslatable 6. Very shortly, we will be dispatching five ships to Earth in advance of the fumigation to the locations disclosed following this message. These locations were chosen because they appear to be empty of any humanoid life forms, which is the only way we can, hopefully, avoid anyone carrying the untranslatable flu. All uninfected members of your species who can make it to one of the five locations at the specified time will be removed from the planet, quarantined remotely, and then untranslatable for long-term care. We hope this solution is satisfactory and that you are encouraged to stop using your radiographic devices. Thank you for trusting the Galactic Corporation at Untranslatable. We're sorry we missed you. From the last of the human race to everyone else. Hello. We're sending this from aboard the last spaceship leaving Earth. Uh, We'd like to say we hope this finds you well, but it probably doesn't. We're sorry about this, but we tried to convince the aliens to make another trip, and we don't think we got through. Their translation program isn't all that hot, and they're not 100% sure which species they're even supposed to be talking to. I mean, they let us bring our dogs. Dogs made it. But then they spent our first three hours of the trip trying to talk to them instead of us. This was a real problem when it turned out they didn't know we needed to breathe oxygen. If we're being honest, this whole rescue thing has been a fiasco from end to end. The aliens, uh, they call themselves something that sounds like gargling, so we've been calling them the gargles, seem pretty advanced, but not super well organized. Just look at where they landed their ships. All of us here got on at the one that landed in northern Canada, and we're pretty sure at least two or three people made it to the Sahara location, but that's about it. I mean, obviously, right? One landed on top of Mount Everest, another at the bottom of the Atlantic. They really didn't know what kind of species they were picking up. And the fifth one in New Mexico, which is still super radioactive. They honestly looked surprised anyone showed up at all at the Canadian location. That is, if we're interpreting their facial expressions accurately. Provided we're even looking at their faces, there are three anatomical possibilities. The more cynical among us think the gargles weren't really trying to rescue anyone at all, and they just guessed wrong about Canada. Anyhow, we're here now, and like I said... We're being told they can't go back to rescue anyone else, and we're really sorry about that. I guess the fumigation is impossible to reschedule, and they are really worried about this viral whatever, which is fair. Assuming you're listening to this live, uh, they should be arriving to sterilize the whole planet in 24 hours. Uh, So I guess this is it. Uh, We wanted you to know that some of us made it. The human race will survive. Yes, all we have are Canadians, and whoever the gargles scooped up in northern Africa, assuming they retrieved humans and not a bunch of camels, 
but we're here, and we're okay. Uh, we don't know where they're taking us, but they seem all right. I mean, we're not exactly in a position to do much if they decide we look delicious or whatever, but so far, so good. And hey, it sounds like the planet will be habitable again in about 20,000 years. So that's something to look forward to, right? Something for our descendants to inherit if they want it. Also, the fumigation won't destroy things. So if you want to write back, go ahead. Uh, nobody will be able to read it for a really long time, but, I mean, it's something to do. Anyway, we're all really sorry about how this worked out for the rest of you. All the best. Sincerely, the last of the human race. Welcome back. You've been listening to Stefan Rudnicki reading Memoranda from the End of the World by Jean Doucette. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. Our editor is John Joseph Adams, and this podcast is copyright 2021 by Adamant Press. Our sponsor this month is Tor Books, featuring Light from Uncommon Stars, by Rika Aoki. As a listener to this podcast, you know that we publish it and most of the rest of our content for free online. If you don't already support our Hugo Award-winning journal, please consider checking out our many options, including ebook subscriptions and recurring patronage at lightspeedmagazine.com support. Skyboat Media the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rutnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by yours truly. Our music and sound logos were composed and performed by Jack and Cade. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.